Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Next, on the OHIO podcast, we discuss the commitments of Brock Glenn and John Tay Gilberts before responding to the happenings of Big Ten Media Days. Plus... We rank our top three position battles heading into camp, and we continue our Big Ten two-a-day previews with Northwestern and Michigan State. And that all starts right now. It's so easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? Be proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who wins. Buckeye Podcast, by fans, for the fans, where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OHIO! Welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Buckeye Boggs, recording live on this beautiful Sunday evening in North Central Ohio, and I'm joined by not one, but two co-hosts this evening. From Marion, Ohio, the wild man himself, Chris Wilds. How's it going tonight, Chris? Well, I got to tell you, Eric, I'm in a good mood. I'm ready for football. Do you know what my wife did for me tonight, Eric? She made me a full turkey dinner. What? Absolutely. She made me a turkey dinner. I had, now now you know I can't have those potatoes, but she made me some mashed cauliflower, got a little gravy on there, had some beans, some dessert. Oh, it was awesome. You tell Bobby I'm offended I wasn't invited. If you want, I'm sure she'll send you a plate of leftovers, Eric. <laughs> and we're joined by our man from the Mitten State, from that state up north, the Muck himself, Jason Muck. Jason, how are things going up there? Are you holding the fort down for us Buckeyes? Uh, I'm doing good. You know, I'm always representing for the Buckeyes, but now hearing Chris, I'm a little hungry. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both, brother. I haven't had dinner yet, so maybe we'll we'll speed through this show. Unfortunately, <laughs> I, I think it's going to be a long one, but uh, all for all of you listening, I'm sure you're going to appreciate it. If you're not satisfied with pickup games and unranked matches, chances are you're aiming higher than most. Aspire, you'll train to be the best. Whether you're drawn to the pool track, mat, basketball court, or gaming controller, we provide the training you need to achieve your dream. Make our facilities your home or take advantage of free transportation services. Are you ready to unlock your potential? 
Visit SpireCleveland.com today. And we'd like to thank Spire for being one of our two sponsors for the past year. Uh, their sponsorship has ended as of tonight. So uh, we are currently looking for another sponsor for the OHIO podcast for the upcoming season. So if you're a business owner and you're a Buckeye fan, contact me if you want to be a sponsor of the OHIO podcast and get the word out there to all those great Buckeye fans about the business you run. But we do thank Spire for the past year, and we wish them nothing but the best as they prepare for another school year there in Northeast Ohio. All right, guys, let's start with the bad news first. We did have a decommit this week. Dejon Johnson, a top 100 recruit in the backfield from Florida, has decided he wants to stay a little bit closer to home, it sure sounds like. He's going to be visiting Florida and Miami in the coming weeks, and it sounds like he's leaning to one of those two schools. You know, I've said it for a while now. When you get those Florida kids who commit to you, it's hard to keep them in the class. They seem to want to commit early, and then all of a sudden they do some flip-flopping when it gets closer to signing their name on the dotted line. I have a theory. My theory is is that they realize Ohio's not Florida in the wintertime. <laughs> and it causes them to say, do I really want to go up to a state in January and February where it's about 20 degrees or less and snow flying? And sometimes those Florida kids go, I don't know if I want to do that. Chris, your thoughts on Dejon Johnson no longer being a Buckeye? Well, it hurts, Eric. I mean, it really does. It hurts not only from a, uh, the standing of the recruiting class, but, I mean, he was a, a defensive back that I think we really needed for that class. You know, this is, as you mentioned, a continuing trend, though, for the last few years now, going back to uh, Urban Meyer's days here. You know, a Florida player commits only to then decommit. I, I, I don't get it. Is it the weather? Is it the NIL money that's in play now? Do, do you really think that any Florida school has a snowball chance in hell of making the college playoff? I mean, come on. Are you kidding me? Why are you doing this? I mean, at least when Jordan Battle stabbed us in the back a few years ago and went to Alabama, he went somewhere where they had a legitimate shot of winning a national championship. Florida can't even win its half of the SEC. And Miami, well, they're in the ACC, which is falling apart at the seams. I mean, I, I just don't get it. Jason, I'm interested in your uh, thoughts here. Um, a lot of fans kind of have, when, when there's a decommit from the Buckeyes, a lot of fans have this kind of like, you know, don't let the door hit you on in the butt on the way out type of mentality where they're like, well, next man up. We didn't, if he doesn't want to be here, then we don't want you type of thing. But this isn't exactly just your run of the mill uh, three-star kid here who's decommitting. This is a top 100 kid. What is your mentality when you see a decommit, Jason? What do you think about that as a Buckeye fan? Uh, you know, it, it hurts, but I definitely wish these young men, you know, the best in whatever endeavor they are going on. You know, I want everyone to succeed, except for when they play against Ohio State. Then I want them to fail miserably. But um, about the only person I ever kind of had any ill feelings towards when they left was Quinn Ewers. I, just something about that guy really bothered me. So but I, I hope this kid does really well, and I think he will. But like you said, being a top 100 guy, that really hurts. Yeah, I think the biggest difference between someone like Dijon Johnson and Quinn Ewers is Quinn Ewers literally came here for the money and then left. Yeah, he cashed right. the check and then bolted. <laughs> so, I mean, Total pre-Madonna. <laughs> yeah, Dijon had. I mean, this was 
if it was a money decision, at least he didn't come here to accept money and then walk out. It was it was a I'm going to accept the money now before I ever commit to you type of thing. And and here's the thing. Well, I mean, even though he committed, you know what I mean. He wasn't fully committed on the team on the roster. And that's the thing I think as as football fans, we get excited about commitments, but they're really they're really it's kind of like kind of like being a boyfriend and girlfriend in high school. How really committed <laughs> are you? You know what I mean? Like you're committed until the pretty another pretty girl shows interest in you. And then it's like, "Oh, maybe I'm not as committed as I thought I was." You know, it's not like you're married here, you know what I mean? Until yeah. that until that name is on the dotted line and you're signed, the word commitment is a little bit strange for me. Chris, any other thoughts on that before we move on to our quote-unquote new commits? <laughs> Uh, no, you know, I, I, like you said, I, I get it, uh, you know, but, but this is the thing. This isn't, like you said, an average run-of-the-mill three-star kid. This is a kid that would have benefited from being here in Ohio, I think, because when he gets to that next level, which he's the type of player who's got the ability to get to that next level, you, you can't just decide you're only going to play in the South. It doesn't work that way. Right. So I think that he's kind of shooting himself in the foot a little bit here. But, you know, it is what it is. As Jason said, best of luck to the kid. Hope he has a great college career in Florida. So we were all excited about the commitment that was going to be coming on Saturday when late Friday night we get a commitment from a sophomore in the 2025 class named Jonte Gilbert, a cornerback from Douglas High School in Atlanta, Georgia. I'll be honest, guys. Like, at first I was like, what? A sophomore like I, I've never seen a offer and a commit from a sophomore this fast now here's the thing this kid's got three more years of high school left how firm is this commitment I don't know it sounds like he fell in love with Ohio State on his visit and and just said this is it for me this is where I want to be but there's a lot that can happen between now in 2025 uh, when he becomes a signee. So I'm not going to dive too much into this kid. Um, I did watch his film, which was his freshman film of high school. And I'll say this as a freshman, it's impressive. Now it's, it's a little bit raw because let's face it. He's a freshman, but this he's playing kids three and four years older than him. And he's not only holding up physically on the football field, but in some aspects, he's kind of dominating. He can play both corner and safety. He's got great size, 6'1". I think he was 6'1", 190 pounds or something like that. Uh, Let me look it up real fast. 6'1", 175. So he's got some room to grow in that frame of of 6'1". But uh, he can play both corner and safety. Like I said, he reads and diagnoses a play very well for that being that young. He's a long, lanky kid who should continue to grow into his body, has tremendous closing speed and knows how to tackle and wrap up. And here's the thing. He reminds me, guys, of a young Sonny Styles. He's got a ways to go to get to Sonny Styles, But in three years, I can foresee Jontae Gilbert being a five-star prospect. Uh, do either of you guys have any anything you want to add to that about Jontae Gilbert before we talk about Brock Glenn? Well, Eric, I would just like to say, you know, I, I saw a little bit a little bit of the footage 
not not a uh, whole lot of game film that I, there that I could watch on him. But you know what? I, you got to be excited about the fact that, yeah, there's a long way to go, but he's a 2025 uh, guy, and he's already showing that interest, that that uh, desire to come to Ohio State. And there, there's a uh, defensive backs coach who came in and made a statement about that Georgia pipeline, and he seems to be, you know, keeping his word about that. <laughs> he is. Um, I, I, I say, hey, Georgia, in my opinion, just if you look, if you follow recruiting, of course you've got the big three: Florida, Texas, California, right? And high school sports. Georgia, as a, in a lot of ways is forcing their way into saying you can't ignore us when it comes to division one football talent in our state. It's there, man. And they, if, if we can make a pipeline in Georgia, like we have in say Florida and then recently in Texas, I'm all for it because I think Georgia is a, is a great up and coming sport, a, a state when it comes to the sport of football and recruiting. So, um, Thanks a lot, coach. You know, keep keep it up. Keep up the good work there. Um, <clears throat> all right, let's jump on to the quarterback here. So this is the big news. This one kind of came out of out, out of left field quickly. So Ryan Day has let us let everybody know he wants to have at least one quarterback in every class. It seemed like we were kind of on the outs of all the big names, but then there were a couple names that kind of surfaced that were interested and Brock Glenn being one of them. And then on Saturday, Brock Glenn said, yes, I want to be a Buckeye. Chris, I'll start with you. Tell us about Brock Glenn, the newest Ohio state quarterback recruit uh, for the 2023 class. Well, Eric Glenn is a 6'2", 195 pound four-star quarterback from Lucian High uh, Collegiate School in Memphis, Tennessee. 247 Sports Composite has him ranked as the 335th player in the nation for the 2023 cycle, 17th among quarterbacks, and he's the 8th best prospect out of the state of Tennessee. So, watch the film. Uh, This is what I saw out of Glenn. First of all, he's got pretty decent size uh, for a quarterback. Uh, Good news is, he has a type of frame that he can't, will allow him to grow, add a little bit of muscle mass without taking away from his game too much. He's got a pretty decent arm, especially in that short and mid-range uh, passes. And he shows the ability to kind of drop the arm and throw from a variety of angles. However, he see, does seem a little less accurate when he's throwing on the move. Uh, and I'm not real sure about his deep ball accuracy at this point. You know, as I watched the film, it did kind of look like receivers often had to extend, adjust, maybe slow down on those deep patterns uh, for the ball. Uh, now, hopefully with a little coaching up, that'll fix itself. He's a good athlete. He can move. He can uh, move the pocket, stretch plays out. He seems to have pretty good pocket awareness. Uh, and when he delivers the ball and he's set, he does it with poise, timing, and accuracy, Eric. Now, I reviewed his stats uh, a little as well. His TD interception rate, ratio of 23 to 9 makes me think, yeah, you know, this kid's maybe a little bit of a gunslinger that we're not seeing uh, you know, that on the, the uh, highlight reel. He's going to have to protect that ball a little bit better if he's going to be solid at the collegiate level, but he has the tools to be a good player. I think he needs at least probably two seasons to really develop. So 
this is kind of my take on things. You know, Ryan Day wants a quarterback in every class. Realistically, we can't keep, keep getting multiple high four and five star guys every single year. Those kids want to play, which is why we see so much action as far as decommitting uh, as a quarterback or transfer portal guys as a quarterback throughout college football. I think the coaching staff is saying basically, okay, we're likely to start in the court next year. We're going to have Devin Brown starting most likely in 2024. And at this point, you're also talking about having the five-star recruit, the number one recruit, Dylan Rayola, in there to contend as well. I don't think they anticipate on this kid starting until probably 2025 or 2026, maybe even. Uh, so I think they brought him in as more of a project that they can develop and, and try to turn into a top tier quarterback. But at the same time, I don't know that maybe he's not just there as much for depth as anything. That's kind of my take on it, Eric. Monk, what do you think about the Brock Glenn? The newest um, quarterback commit for Ohio State. He's like Chris said, he's got all the tools needed, good footwork, solid arm, a little above average, but also like Chris, I was a little concerned with the uh touch touchdown to interceptions ratio. And I, I think some of that might have to do with at times if you watch, he does get happy feet and he does seem to kind of play a little too fast instead of settling in and slowing the game down and letting it come to him. But I was really impressed with he's got a quick high point release and that's going to greatly benefit him as he progresses and learns, uh, you know, to be better in that. And what a perfect guy to learn from for two or three years than Ryan Day. I mean, you can't beat it, but he's got really good footwork moves around well in the pocket to extend the plays. And I was definitely impressed with the fact that he is not afraid to stand in there and take the hit. But he also, when taking the hit, he kind of parries his body. So the impact's not super hard as it could be. So he seems to have, you know, be smart and could really develop into something special in this system. All right. Brock Glenn. Here's my notes. Good size, decently strong arm. Has nice touch on his deep balls, but the ball just doesn't have that zip that a five-star has, especially on those intermediate throws or when they are on the move to their opposite hand side. So he's right-handed. He's uh, he's moving out of the pocket to his left and has to throw across his body. He just does not have the zip that the five-star quarterbacks seem to have. That's going to have to come with being in the in the weight room and developing and practicing. Um or it's just God given, you know, one of those two things. But I mean, that's the difference between like a, like I said, a five star and a four star. I'm with you, Monk. I see some happy feet. Um, but I also say this: I don't think his offensive line's very good. <laughs> like, right. You watch those highlights, man, and he has got to make snap decisions because yeah, there are good. Th- there are guys coming at him untouched all the time in those highlights, man. I guess that goes to where he's playing a little ahead of speed in his game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt a little bit there. But I will say this. He steps up in the pocket really well. Absolutely. Uh, 
I will give, and he's he's got a tough chin. He is not afraid to hang in the pocket and take a hit and deliver the ball at the last second. And that's something you can't teach a kid. You either have that kind of mental toughness or you don't. And he he obviously has it. But I'm with you, Chris. I I see. Can I tell you what I see here and what I think this is? I think this is Matthew Baldwin. You guys remember him? Yeah, the other yeah. Uh, black, blonde-haired Texas boy that took off. <laughs> yeah, so I think he's here for one year, dudes. I really do. Because there is no way he's going to start over Riola based off of what I'm seeing on the film. And I don't think he – I mean, I think he's here in 2023 and he'll be the backup quarterback because C.J. Stroud is going to the NFL. We all know that. It's Unless a terrible injury were to happen – he is going to be a first round draft pick. He's hands down. Everybody knows it. Yeah. So that so that means we've got a quarterback race next year. And it also means that this year's and this is kind of foreshadowing what we're going to talk about here in a little bit, but the quarterback battle between Kyle McCord and Devin Brown I think is really really big because I just don't foresee, especially if Devin Brown were to win, Kyle McCord hang around to be the backup for the rest of his career. Yeah. So one of those two guys, more than likely, if they're not the starter, is probably going to exit stage right. And when they do, you're going to see this kid right now, Brock Glenn, slide in as the, your backup, backup quarterback next year in 2023 as a true freshman. And then after that, who knows what's going to happen? Because now you've got possibly the number one recruit in the 2024 class coming in at quarterback. And there's going to be a lot of hoopla surrounding that kid and a lot of expectations. And we'll see if, if Brock Glenn being on campus for one year will longer will give him the potential and the opportunity to have one step forward or is talent just going to win out after that. And then we have another Matthew Baldwin situation where he probably decommits and heads to Memphis back home or Tennessee or something like that. That's kind of my expectations and my prediction, what's going on here. So here's what I would like to say. I don't understand why we don't take the best kid in Ohio and say, hey, look, we're going to make you the backup for the next couple years. And if give you the opportunity when you're an upperclassman, if you develop to probably maybe see the field and become a starter or why don't we ever go out and get someone like Smooth Jazz, who had the expectations not to be a starter, but I'm going to be an awesome backup, and when I'm called on, I'm going to be ready. Like, I understand wanting to get the very best guy you can get every single year, but this one to me, Chris, just feels like we're bringing in someone who has high expectations, and we're going to pull the rug out from under him in a year. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, this almost feels like a depth move in many ways. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, because it, it's just it's not feasible to think that these kids in today's game are going to stick around. These four and five star guys, if you aren't giving them playing time, they're going to move on. It's that simple. They want the money. They want the, the fame. They want the draft positioning. They're not going to sit around to, to ride the bench. It's just not the way it was, you know, 30 years ago. It's just not going to happen. I agree. Monk, any thoughts on that before we move on? Yeah, I'm going to be a little nicer. And <laughs> I, I just, the, the fact that he wanted to come in 
with what's in front of him and knowing what's coming in after him, that says everything to me. That if this kid wants to compete, he wants to learn from the best. Like I'm all for it, man. Like they 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 could have sold him on the Joe Burrow aspect. And see, that's interesting to me because I think you bring up a very good point, Monk. What if the pitch to this kid is, hey, you get to learn from me, Ryan Day, the quarterback whisperer, for one or two years, and if you don't win the job, you can go anywhere you want in college football and be a starter. I mean, I wonder if that's the pitch that they give these kids. They need to. I mean, why not use it? Sell it. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true. Like you said, with the Ohio kids, it's the same thing. Joe is an Ohio kid. Sell him, man. Bring him in. All right, let's move on to Big Ten media days. Guys, I've watched way too much Big Ten Network this past week. Um, gosh dang, was, was some of this completely like watching paint dry, man. We, <laughs> we have some really boring coaches in the Big Ten, man. Paul Christ, I, I, I like the guy, but he's like that nice uncle that comes to the family gathering who you sit and you literally are like you're you're trying everything not to fall asleep when you listen to the guy talk. <laughs> like it's like oh my gosh and and you you get guys like the Iowa head coach like can you just retire please? Hey 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 leave grandpa alone. Oh my gosh. Some of these coaches in the Big 10, man, I'm telling you. And then you've got some that it's like dude, I understand now why you got like Mel Tucker Oh, absolutely. That dude's intense, man. And then there's Harbaugh. Oh, jeez. Well, well, we'll get to Booger Picker here in a minute. But, uh, yeah, I'll, let's start Let's start up top with uh, Kevin Warren. So um, Kevin Warren took the podium first on, uh, I guess it was Tuesday, and uh, kind of stuck his chest out there a little bit. And I'm not going to lie, Chris, I kind of like what he had to say about the Big Ten here. He yeah. did not get up and be apologetic. He got up and said, "Hey, we're a, we're a, we're the big dogs here, and we're going to start acting like it." I was kind of impressed. What were your thoughts on Kevin Warren? Yeah, I absolutely agree with you 100%. Eric, he comes out and he says, "Listen, I, I th- this is me. This is who I am." Last year, I was kind of sitting back. You know, we were letting things develop. We were researching things, but now you're going to see the aggressive Kevin Warren, the one that goes out and does what needs done for the conference. You know, he, he's talking about expansion. And, and of course, we're at 16 teams now with the addition of USC and UCLA. But he basically said, you know, he's going to stay aggressive. And it may include future expansion, but we're going to do it for the right reasons and at the right time. We're not going to just expand to expand. You know, Kevin Warren came out and he basically told us exactly too, hey, listen, we expand when, when when it can coincide with the media deals for all intents and purposes because the two tie directly together. He's basically just telling us, well, we already know, but he's not afraid to say it. Hey, we're going out there. We're going to gobble up all these TV markets. We're going to make our product the number one football product on television. We've got Los Angeles. We've got the New York, New Jersey market. We've got you know, a chunk of the D.C. market. We've got the Chicago market. we got the Columbus market. Uh, and Eric, after, I, I don't know if you saw this, too. He did an interview afterwards with uh, Austin Ward as well. And Ward basically asked him, what's the ideal number of teams for a conference? 
And I just loved his reply. And I'm just uh, paraphrasing this here, but he said, you know, it's difficult to say. It has to be manageable, but you're going to find out soon enough. So he's basically telling you right there, he's not done. He's going to keep going. He's going to get it to a point. And and I think it's probably 20 to 24 teams is where it maxes out, Eric. But I'll tell you, he's on the prowl. I I love it. I love this new aggressive attitude out of him. Do you think he was placating to Notre Dame a little bit? I think he might have been. But you know what? Sometimes you got to be patient and do what you got to do to catch that big fish. And let's face it, right now they're the biggest fish out there that, that's not associated with us. That's a great analogy, catching the big fish, because I, I think the TV deal is the, the giant lure he's fishing with. Yeah, and, and as we talked about, uh, you know, off off uh, recording here, you know, there was those rumors flying around about the possible tie-in with the NBC people and the Big Ten yep. as well. So, you know what? Yes. There's a lot going on, and... and Again, you'd heard those rumors. I'd heard uh, rumors about uh, Notre Dame talking to Ohio State now, and it could be sooner rather than later when they join. So I I think this is is a done deal, and we just haven't heard about it yet. So I think – so what what I'm hearing – so let me me show out there with with what I'm getting from some of the people who are in the know – so the Big Ten is currently in negotiations with not only Fox and ESPN, but they are in heavy negotiations with both NBC and CBS and a streaming service, which some people are thinking is Peacock, which is owned by NBC. Now, why that is essentially right. important is because NBC and Notre Dame have been partners for a long time. Notre Dame is the only team in college football with a private, independent television deal, and it happens to be with NBC. And so what Big Ten is basically doing is they are negotiating with NBC, and they're basically saying, look, not only can you go ahead and keep your contract with Notre Dame for their home games, but we will also provide for you and your streaming service a bit one Big Ten game additional per week. <clears throat> Then they have CBS going, hey, we're losing the SEC here, and they're coming by and saying, we want to be a part of this too. And and so there is a lot of money being tossed back and forth here to be a partner with the Big Ten. And from what I heard, it's so much that the Big Ten is not afraid to say adios to ESPN and ABC and pick up both CBS and NBC to replace ESPN to go along with Fox. Can you imagine a, a Big Ten games being televised on both uh, NBC, CBS, and Fox all throughout the day? That would be a major blow to both ESPN and ABC and to the SEC. And so when you talk about Kevin Warren being aggressive, this is what he's talking about. He's he's waging war against the SEC behind closed doors and I love it. Finally, we're getting the Kevin Warren that we were hoping for, not the one that we saw during COVID, that's for sure. Monk, what are your thoughts about our commissioner at the podium and at Big Ten Media Days? Well, first, I got to say, whoever his public relations people are, he better give them a big raise because they really turned him around. 
<laughs> and um, like you said, I like the fact that we're going to have Big Ten football all day long. Um, I love his aggressiveness. He was very confident up there, um, really pushed the academics as well as the athletics. And something else that I think is going to help the Big Ten bring in these top recruits that he had mentioned was, you know, having a bigger platform to get them known and out in the world. And in today's society with all the um, different social medias and that, building your brand is one of the biggest ways to earn an income. So they've got that to sell on now too. And then you had mentioned the streaming services. I had heard that um, Amazon might be getting into it as well as Apple. There's a lot of potential there with those streaming services, man. And I don't know, man, I, I it is, it, this, this, when it's all said and done, these negotiations and a lot of it, like I said, is being placated, uh, being it's all happening around whether Notre Dame joins or not. But here's here's the latest rumor, guys. He's going to go pluck the Pac-12 again. It sounds like we could end up with Stanford. Oregon, Washington and Cal, and then he still might not be done. He might grab Notre Dame and three other schools and all of a sudden, the Big Ten is the giant 24. And that, and then all of a sudden, if you got 24 teams in your conference and the SEC sitting there with 16, you look at them and say, all right, boys, who's playing ball now? It's a completely different world we're about to engage in. And I know a lot of people don't like it, but it, it is, it, it's the world that's going to happen. So if, if you know it's going to happen, why not press the issue yourself and make it the way you want to? So uh, my grade for Kevin Warren uh, at uh, Big Ten Media Days was an A. Now let's go to someone who would not get an A on his report card, that being Jimmy Harbaugh. Uh, Monk, you live up there. I'm going to let you start. It sounds like to me that the Michigan fans loved him during Media Days. I don't know why. I don't think the man's got a backbone at all, but – Monk, your response to Jim Harbaugh during Big Ten Media Days. I don't know what Michigan fans are saying that because all the ones that I know are just sickened with this guy and want him gone. Um, I just, honestly, where do you start with him? (laughs) Like, this guy is just a complete uh, circus act out there. But, like, with it, you know, I don't know if he thinks he's completely solely responsible for Michigan's historic reputation. Like this, this is the type of guy that would probably run around saying he crafted the wing helmet with his bare hands while they were handcuffed behind his back. Like, I just don't know what to do with this guy. <clears throat> um, absolutely give him no credit for anything that they accomplished last year. His brother saved his job by giving him the hand-picked defense coordinator. Honestly, I think Mike Hart and Ron Bellamy had a lot more to do with what Michigan achieved. I just honestly, I, I couldn't even listen to more than five minutes of this guy's con- press conference. I just <laughs> had to turn it off. <laughs> Makes you sick to your stomach, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, and the worst thing, just the fact that he had the the cojones to run his mouth after that win last year with his born on third base thinking he hit a triple comment 
and then ha- absolutely have nothing to say about it. Like, what a coward. Exactly. Exactly. I'll get to that in a second. Chris, what about the booger picker, man? What do you think? Don't worry about him, Jason. He's not going to flinch. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, let me tell you. First of all, is there anybody more clueless, yet more interesting to watch than Harbaugh? I mean, he's a train wreck. This guy is the uh, um, uh, um, let me pick my nose, king of the world. He really is. He is so uncomfortable talking to the media. He just looks awkward up there every time he takes the podium. You know, he, he got a couple of things that really stuck out to me, first of all, about what he said, though. He was asked about what he's doing to prepare his kids for playing in Columbus. And basically, he replied, nothing. They're not going to flinch. Come on. These guys haven't been to Columbus, this group of kids. They haven't really been to Columbus to play, especially not as starters. Uh, you know, they've never played in front of that crowd. And you're treating this like it's any other game. It's not any other game. It's the game. And somewhere along the way, this guy, who is an alumna, alumnus of that team up north, who grew, you know, was born and grew up in Ohio, he, he lost it. Other than that, I think the most fascinating thing he said pertained to his quarterbacks. By saying that both Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy would be hard to beat out for the starting job, he's basically acknowledging that there's a legitimate quarterback competition there involving, you know, this kid who's supposed to be the next big thing for, for Michigan and the guy who won their conference title last season. You know, Jimmy, you, you may want to give Urban a call and see how it works out when you got your starter constantly looking over his shoulder because he did a number on Cardell Jones that way. You, you know, it's it, it's not a pretty thing. He's creating so much drama for his team. It just, it, he's a mess. I love how the last question when he's at the podium is about scheduling. And he just gives the most awkward answer ever. I don't know. And just there's <laughs> there's like silence. Department. He's like ask Ward Manual. He's like he is. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Oh. Try to answer your question. I don't, I don't know. It's like you don't know how scheduling works for your own program. Get out of here. He just he just did. All right, let's get to it, Monk. Let's get to it. So he makes these. Arrogant comments after the win. And you know what? At the time, I get it. You haven't beat us in six tries. You, you finally do it on your seventh. You're you're flying high. And you probably say something completely stupid. But I'm telling you, man, the Michigan fans I talk to, they all defend that comment. They all believe that Ryan Day was handed a winning program and did nothing to earn it. And I can't I don't understand how they don't see how Ryan Day came in and through his play calling thumped them twice as an offensive coordinator. I'm telling you right now, there would not be a seven and zero room at the Urban Meyer Pint House if it was not for Ryan Day. Oh, absolutely. It's Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins. So I, I'm I'm telling you guys, he was not born on third base, but they believe that crap. And so he says it, right? And like I said in my comments after he said it, if you're man enough to say it in November, you need to be man enough to own it in July. The no comment thing followed by a smile is so arrogant and pompous of him. Dude, 
Why? All he had to say was, yeah, I was talking about Ryan, and I believe that statement, and I have no further comment. That's all he had to say. But to say no comment, period, like I'm not going to talk about that or address it, shows you're right, Chris. He's not a man. And and it shows, I think, a failure of leadership in of him and in his program. Now, let's go from someone who's – uh, very uncomfortable at the mic in front of the media to someone who's grown very comfortable and I think uh, very professional in Ryan Day. I remember when Ryan Day took over as head coach, there were some some like nervous moments when he was talking to the media. Dude, the guy has become very, very comfortable as a head coach in my opinion. Chris, your thoughts on Ryan Day at the mic at uh, Big Ten Media Days? Oh, this guy's great. I mean, he has people eating out of the palm of his hand. I mean, he throws – now, he comes out there, he's got the knowledge, and he throws the sound bites on there, Eric. you got to love the sound bites. Whether he meant to cause the uproar he did or not with the 11-2 and two comment, I don't know. But you know what? I think he does a great job of just giving us – letting the people, letting the media know what his expectations are. And his expectation is anything short of a national championship is a failure. Not only that, he, he, he let it, put it out there. His defense is going to be a top 10 defense by the end of the season. I mean, he, he threw that out there. It, there was no question. He, he brought that with confidence. You, you know, and, and that's what the difference between somebody like him and Harbaugh is. The confidence, the, the, just the, the reassuredness, the faith that he has in his team. Uh, everything there is just so much more, you know, Ryan Day is so much better at that than what Harbaugh is. And that's why I think the word you're looking for is professional. Well, he is. He is much more professional. Well, first of all, he can, you know, he can develop a complete sentence, which is something that Jim has trouble with. <laughs> you know, but yeah, I mean, he just he has this professional aura about him. You can tell this guy has been winning football games for a long time, whether it was an assistant, whether it's as a head coach. This guy's been there before, and he acts that way. And I, I love to hear the guy talk. You know, he, he says everything and nothing all at one time. That, that's just the way he is. He's going to let you know exactly what he wants you to know, and he, he's going to, you know, Give it to you in a way that that you just eat it up. Uh, Jason, what do you think, man, of uh, of Ryan Day at the Big Ten Media Days? Yeah, uh, like we, like you guys had said, he he just showed something that uh, just another thing that he completely outshines Jim Harbaugh with, not just coaching and recruiting, but I mean, this guy, he's he's uh, raised the level of every part of this program. And I, by the time it's said and done, I honestly feel he's going to co- go down as the greatest head coach at Ohio State. Uh, I mean, just Kevin Warren and his introduction said a lot. I mean, just all the praise for him and his wife and everything they do. Uh, he's he's 100% a leader. He's not about himself like Jim Harbaugh, or it's always making something focused to where everyone's talking about him instead of the program. Ryan Day makes everything about these kids, his coaching staff. I really like how much he continued to praise um, Stroud and Njigba, especially on 
their leadership and everything that they've done in this off season, the the edge that they're playing with now. Like I am so excited to watch this team play. I cannot wait. Yeah, I'm just gonna Mike my, my I'm just gonna quote Ryan Day, and that'll be my last statement on him. Maybe at some places, eleven and two and winning the Rose Bowl is a good year. It isn't at Ohio State. Oh gosh, I love that to hear your head man understand you as a fan and the expectations that we have, and know that his expectations are just as high, if not higher, than your own. Man, you gotta love that. Right, especially because he he took the time to even acknowledge the fans about their excitement and everything, how fast they bought out these tickets, and just the guy is a com- complete class act. Yeah, no, I mean, there's he. You could tell. He's oozing with confidence right now, and that should that should make us as fans uh, confident as well. Uh, anything else from Big Ten Media Days that jumped out at you that you thought was funny or different or newsworthy that you want to touch on? Um, I would just like to say that I thought it was so awkwardly funny when the whole thing started off when Scott Frost gets up there and has zero opening comments, just goes straight to questions. <laughs> Like, are, this it. is this is a dude that is walking the plank right now, man. He's like, he basically knows like this thing could be really, really bad. I might not be here next year. Does anybody have any questions? <laughs> well, let me just tell you, unlike Harbaugh, at least he's smart enough to keep his mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, this is true. This is true, man. Um, I, you know what, I. It's so funny to me to watch even the really bad teams when their coaches get up there, you, when they're done talking at the podium, you're almost convinced that they that they can, you know, go to a bowl game or something like Indiana, you know, it's like some of these coaches, man, they, you understand why they're really good, like recruiters. You have to be, I mean, like, think about how good of a salesman you have to be to sell the Hoosier football program. It, yeah. It's just mind-boggling to me. Anybody else? Chris, you got anything? No, no, I, I'm good. Jason Monk, anything else from media man. days? I, I did get a really good laugh out of one thing from Harbaugh was seeing like a little clip of uh, his complete obsession and man crush with Aiden Hutchinson. My goodness, <laughs> like that, oh, he talked about that more than anything. Oh yeah, I mean, and when he admitted that he, uh, if he was a man. <laughs> I'm like, what so, in the world? Well, I think he's admitting that that dude alone saved his job, oh, essentially. Right. All right, man. Let's jump into our third segment here before we get to our commercial and our two-a-day previews. So we're going to talk about our top three position battles heading into camp. Of course, camp begins this week, Thursday. The Buckeyes will be starting their camp. My stepson, they start camp uh, tomorrow is their first practice. They have their parent meeting this evening and a pool party to kick off their football season. And they step they're they're stepping it up big time. They moved from the uh, Marion County, uh, Delaware County League to the Columbus League. So they're about to find out what big boy football is all about this year. Um, so they're excited for that. But I'm excited about some of these position battles uh, here at camp. So, uh, Chris, I'll let you go first, and then, Monk, you can follow Chris, and then I'll go up in third. Our top three will go from three to one. Chris, what is your third top position battle this this camp season here? Uh, yeah. 
You know, for me, I think it's got to be at wide receiver, and that is let's find out who that number three guy is for sure. You know, I think we know JSN is, is number one. I don't think there's any doubt there. I think we're pretty sure that Marvin Harrison is locked in at number two. But who is that number three guy going to be? Is it going to be, you know, Julian Fleming? Is Emeka Buka going to step up? You know, do you think there's an outside shot that, that a Caleb Burton might get some time? Or is, even, even if he gets in the top four, you know, I don't know. This room is just so deep and so talented. I, I just can't wait to see how, how it all pans out at the end. You know, if Julian Fleming is finally healthy, can he get that number three spot? Who knows? Don't sleep on Cam. Um, uh, what's his name? Not Cam Brown. Uh, Bab. Um, he's been injured. He was a he was a big time recruit. If he can be healthy enough to contribute, you know Ryan Day is going to let that kid play. You know I love Bab. You know I think his future is probably in coaching, Eric. I agree. But the, one, the one thing I can say for sure is, sadly, odds are the one thing we're going to know coming out of camp is. Odds are that Bab is probably injured again because that poor kid has nothing but bad luck coming his way. It just well, if he can st- every year. Well, if he can stay healthy, let's find out. But and I hope also, he does. I, I really hope I, he does. Do I want to see what he can do on the field. I think he's going to be wearing the number or the Blocko jersey this year. I have a feeling. I have a feeling he's going to be rewarded that jersey. Uh, number three, Monk. What's your th- what's your number three position battle heading into camp? <clears throat> I also had a wide receiver. Um, I just, I, I really, I just have a feeling that Julian Fleming is going to have a breakout season. And I just, I think even coming out of high school, he was done a disservice by the people that do the rankings because they had him as the number one wide receiver. And I even said back then, JSN clearly was the top receiver in that class. But I think Fleming should have been listed as an athlete, especially with his team, because they ran that wing T offense. So everything that he had was on short routes, you know, and it was pretty much based on the run game. So he really didn't learn the routes. He had to develop completely as a wide receiver and then the injuries. So if he can stay healthy and then have the development with Heartline working his favor this year, his and his athleticism alone is just second to none. If all three of those things happen, he's going to put put everybody on notice this year. Number three for me is actually the tight end battle. I we we've got Mitch Rossi coming back for a six uh, year. You had Cade Stover flip from tight end, the linebacker, back to tight end. You have G. Scott Jr. from that uh, an huge recruiting class that included Julian Fleming and Jackson Smith and the Jigba flip over from wide receiver to tight end. And then you've got the youngster Joe Royer and his amazing white man afro that has uh, had he, – he played really well during the spring game. All four of those guys are going to be competing for basically two tight end positions. Now, we know Mitch Rossi's more of a blocking tight end. And we know G. Scott Jr. is definitely more of a receiving tight end. And I kind of see Cade Stover as kind of more maybe a little bit of both. Uh, and Joe Royer, I think, is more on the lines of G. Scott. But I, I know that Ryan Day does not want to tip his hand on what the play call is based on the tight end that is in the offense. 
So this one's going to be interesting to me on who they roll out as the starting tight end come uh, game one against Notre Dame. Number two position battle, Chris. Well, number two for me is that nose guard position. Uh, Eric, I think we the, the we kind of figure like Teron Vincent's probably got that locked down coming off that just tremendous uh, game he had in the Rose Bowl. Uh, but, you know, Jerron Cage is also a veteran in the shown flashes at times. But I'll tell you, I think the dark horse here is, you know, Mike Hall, the kid from Streetsboro. Yeah. He is big, mean, fast. And if one of these veterans doesn't step up to, you know, make claim to that spot, I think that he can get in there. He has a tremendously high ceiling, you know, and, and we've heard Coach Knowles mention him several times throughout the spring ball. I think that uh, that's a very interesting battle as well. Monk, you're uh, number two for position battles. I went with the running back battle. I mean, obviously we know Henderson's going to start, but um, I'm I'm curious on the number two. I mean, yeah, we're going to start with Williams at number two at the beginning of the year, but I really think Evan Pryor is going to overtake that by season's end, especially everything. Yeah, with everything you keep hearing about him, I mean, the guy is just dynamic. So it would be interesting to see how they spread things out with the three of them. Mm. The number two uh, uh, battle for me, position battle, is actually the backup quarterback, Kyle McCord and Devin Brown. I think, obviously, Kyle McCord is going to start as the backup in this offense, given the fact that Devin Brown is a freshman and Kyle McCord has got one year on him in seniority and in experience in the offense. But from whatever everything I saw in the spring game and from everything I'm hearing, Devin Brown has got all the makeup of a quarterback that Ryan Day loves. And I think that the battle for starting quarterback for 2023 actually starts right now in this camp between McCord and Devin Brown. Obviously, Day is not going to tip his hand as to who that is. I think he obviously goes to McCord uh, first in case of an injury or in, in mop-up duty, simply because I think McCord is the, the backup at this moment based on experience. But do not be surprised that if Devin Brown does not push him in that aspect. And so I'm really, really excited for that position battle just because I know of the ramifications of that heading into 2023. Number one position battle in camp this year for you, Chris. Go. Well, I'll tell you what. I, you know, I think it might be the linebacker position, Eric, because I think that's the one that we've we've been so concerned about, you know, for, for the last few years. You know, I feel like Steel Chambers probably has one of those spots locked up. And popular opinion is that Tommy Eichenberg, who's coming off a great Rose Bowl performance, has probably got the other one. Uh, locked up as well but you know that being said can he maintain that level that he had in the Rose Bowl because let's not forget Eichenberg did start last season as the starter only lose that spot and some of his snaps to Cody Simon we've also got CJ Hicks uh, to consider and the transfer Chip Trayum or Trayum there we go Uh, we got the returning senior Taraja Mitchell what about Reed Carrico? Where does he fit in the mix? Gabe Powers, Pele Gaiotioti. No, there's a lot of talent in that room now. And Jim Knowles is going to have to find the best way to get the most out of that group. And that's going to start with who he's going to put out there to start the first game. 
your number one position battle, Monk, going into camp. Yeah, pretty close to Chris, but I, I went with the safeties. And a lot of what he said is the same thing here. You got such a deep room. Um, I just, there's, to me, there's a lot of unknowns. You know, the, what's the defense going to look like with the new coaches, uh, player injuries like Ransom and Proctor? Are they going to be where they should be? I mean, about the only for sure one you'd have to say is probably Ronnie Hickman. So, and I, I expect big things from uh, Stokes with everything that he showed early on in the spring. But I, I'm going to call my breakout guy in that group. I'm going to say uh, Martinez is going to be the one that I'm watching. It's the uh, state up north defective Cameron Martinez, huh? You like, uh, oh, he's uh, a you beast, like that man. kid. Uh, I've watched him in high school and seeing what he could do on the field in person. Uh, he's he's special. All right. I'm about to drive Chris nuts with this one. My number one position battle is senior Zach Harrison against Jack Sawyer. I know Chris is, thinks that Jack Sawyer is going to be that guy. He's going to be the man. It is that sophomore year, and Jack Sawyer in a lot of ways is who we, we kind of called him when he was being recruited – the long-lost third-missing Bosa brother. Um, he did get in last year and had a decent year as a freshman. wasn't as, as uh, impactful as the Bosas were as freshmen. But here he is. He's ready to go as a sophomore. And kind of standing in his way from getting that pos- uh, starting posi- uh, position is Zach Harrison. Can Zach Harrison reach the potential that was there when he was recruited as a five-star out of Olentangy or is he going to finish his career at Ohio State being a disappointment? Uh, Chris, I'm telling you, this position battle is big one, man, because if if Zach Harrison reaches that potential and we have three stud defensive ends where we can do the whole Rushman package again, watch out. This is a national championship team. I'm not saying that it's, it's national championship or bust, based on Zach Harrison, but if he reaches his potential and he becomes a 10-plus sack player this year, can you imagine the impact this defense will have overnight like that? This is a big battle for me, Chris. Let let me just tell you right now, Eric, if Harrison lives up to his potential, I'll go on record as saying it. You know, Brian Day said he's going to have a top 10 defense by the end of the season. There'll be a top five defense if Harrison lives up to that potential. There you have it. I mean, I, I think it's big. If we come day one and Zach Harrison and JTT are your defensive ends or your book in defensive ends on the first defensive snap, that'll tell you everything about what happened in camp right there. But if it's Harrison, then it's like, okay, let's see this potential. Let's, I want to see it to believe it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pamper that and massage that and hope that like we, we did the last couple years, you know, where we were fed all this. Hey, he's looking great in camp and he's going to be awesome this year. And then we were let down. I want to see it on the field. Day one, game one against Notre Dame. Are you in the backfield wrecking havoc on that team? Or are you just kind of there filling a, a position? And if that's the case, I'm going to be crying for Sawyer to get in there, man. So, that's kind of where I'm at. I know, Chris, you're at the same place as me there, except I think you're probably a little bit more ready for Sawyer to just take the position than what I am. 
All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we'll start with the Northwestern preview first, and we'll get uh, Monk and Chris's reaction from that preview, followed by Sparty, so hang tight, everybody. The OHIO Podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360-degree high-definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. Hello, everyone. This is Buckeye Boggs from the OHIO Podcast, and today I'm previewing the Northwestern Wildcats. Northwestern has surprised the Big Ten by winning the Western Division two out of the last four seasons, beginning in 2018 and then again in 2020. The every-other-year pattern would suggest that this would be a good year for the Fighting Fitzgeralds, but given the roster heading into the season, this would take a coaching miracle for Northwestern to somehow find their way back to Indy. The Northwestern offense needs to significantly improve if Northwestern is going to compete in the West this season. The offense's inability to score points in 2021 was their biggest downfall, ranking dead last in the conference in points per contest. Quarterback Ryan Helensky enters his junior season and second on campus after transferring from South Carolina. He led the team last season in passing and should get an opportunity from game one to lead the team without looking over his shoulder. Four starting offensive linemen also returned for 2021 and should help not only in the passing game, but in the rushing department as well. On the other side of the ball, Northwestern didn't fare much better than the offense in 2021. After being a top 10 defense nationally in 2020, they were 89th in the country last season. Defensive coordinator Jim O'Neill will be in his second season calling the D and no doubt expects to make a significant jump in 2022 with almost half of their starters returning this season. Northwestern is located in Evanston, Illinois, just outside of Chicago, and their home stadium is Ryan Field that seats 47,130. The Wildcats' overall school record is 547 wins to 686 losses and 44 ties. That's a winning percentage of 446. Their last conference championship was in the year 2000, and they have a total of eight conference titles to their name. No national championships have been won by Northwestern. Current head coach Pat Fitzgerald is entering his 17th season at the helm for the Wildcats. He has an overall record of 109 wins to 90 losses and is 64-68 and 68 in conference play. Last year, the Wildcats were 3-9, one of the worst records Fitzgerald had as head coach for Northwestern. That included a 1-8 2021 conference record. Last year offensively, like I said, Northwestern was not very good. They averaged only 16.6 points per game. That was dead last in the Big Ten and 125th in college football. This included 144.2 rushing yards per game, which was 8th in the conference, 177.3 passing yards per game, which was 9th, and 321.6 total yards per game, which was 11th overall in the Big Ten. 
Defensively, the Wildcats weren't much better. They gave up 29 points per game, which was 12th in the Big Ten. 213 rushing yards per game is what they gave up on the D. That was good enough for 10th in the conference. 216.5 passing yards per game gave them 8th in the conference. And they gave up a total of 429.5 yards per game, which was 13th in the Big Ten. So if you're keeping track at home, they were one of the worst offensive teams and worst defensive teams in the conference last year, which is no wonder why they finished 1-8. They did not play in a bowl game, obviously, last year. Their last bowl game did come in 2020, where they defeated Auburn in the Citrus Bowl. Key losses for the Wildcats off of last year's squad include linebacker Chris Bergen, He was a second-team All-Big Ten and three-year starter who led all college football in tackles per game last year with 11.8 while recording 30 more solo tackles than anyone else on the team. Bergen was invited to the Bears rookie camp this past spring, but I doubt he's going to be making an NFL squad this fall. Safety Brandon Joseph was a freshman All-American in 2020, and he was definitely a thorn in the side of Ohio State back in the 2020 Big Ten Championship game. He finished last season in 2021 with three interceptions, which was good enough for first on the team. He was third on the team in tackles with 80, and this all was good enough to earn him second-team All-Big Ten honors. Joseph, however, has decided to leave Evanston, Illinois, and he has transferred to Notre Dame. So no doubt we will see Joseph uh, in the very first game of the season this year. Wide receiver Stephen Robinson Jr. is no longer with the team as well. He transferred to Northwestern from Kansas last season and led the Wildcats in both receptions with 46 and receiving yards with 625. He was picked up as an undrafted free agent by the Arizona Cardinals and will be fighting for a spot with the squad in the coming weeks. Top returners for Northwestern in 2021 include defensive end Adetomawi Adabaware. I think I said that right. (laughs) He is Northwestern's top pass rusher with seven and a half career sacks. Adabore spent a lot of time in the backfield in 2021, leading the Wildcats in sacks with four and a half and uh, tackles for loss with eight and a half and 12 quarterback pressures. Adabore was an OHIO podcast first team preseason all Big Ten selection for us this year. He is uh, joined on the other side of the ball by left tackle Peter Skarinski. He returns as a two-year starter. He was all Big Ten selection, and he is projected as a first-round NFL draft pick. The left tackle was also on our OHIO podcast, first-team all Big Ten preseason selections this year as well. Running back Evan Hall rushed for 1,009 yards last season, and he raised his yards per carry total to 5.6 for his career, and he will be returning for another season as the starting tailback for the Wildcats in 2022. The top incoming freshmen for the Northwestern Wildcats include, includes four-star wide receiver Reggie Florima. He is from Naperville Central High School in Naperville, Illinois. He's 6'2", 200 pounds. He's ranked 245th nationally, 39th at his position, and 7th in the state of Illinois. He's joined by four-star defensive end Anto Saka from Loyola Blakefield High School in Townsend, Maryland. 
Saka is 6'2", 230 pounds, 257th nationally, 23rd at his position, and 5th in the state. Both are expected to get significant playing time right away as true freshmen. Let's finish the following statements for you for Northwestern. This season will be considered a success for the Wildcats if Patty Fitz can get Northwestern back to a 500 record and return to a bowl game. The most critical game on Northwestern's schedule is the season opener in Ireland against Nebraska. This game could and will probably set the tone for the remainder of the season for both squads. A win over the Cornhuskers could set this team heading in the right direction for the remainder of the season. A loss, the opposite could be true. Northwestern's threat level to Ohio State is 8%. Ohio State has to travel to Northwestern late in the season, but given this squad and and how I believe this season is going to go for Pat Fitzgerald and the Wildcats, I just don't think they're much of a threat to Ohio State. My predictions for Northwestern this season on their schedule include a week zero in Ireland loss to Nebraska. I believe the Cornhuskers will clip them overseas in Ireland. This is followed by a bye week and then three non-conference games at home. Duke, Southern Illinois, and Miami of Ohio. I think Northwestern can and will win all three of those non-conference games. However, the remainder of their schedule, which includes an, a, a road game at Penn State, followed by a home game against Wisconsin, a second bye week, two straight road games against Maryland and Iowa, a home game against Ohio State, two more road games against Minnesota and Purdue, followed by a season finale home game against Illinois, will all be losses for Northwestern. I believe Northwestern will go 3-9 and nine again this season, and I, be- and I believe it'll be 0-9 in the Big Ten. No Big Ten wins for Northwestern. This has been Buckeye Boggs from the OHIO Podcast. Make sure you stay tuned for our two-a-day previews of the Big Ten. All right, so Eric, I, I got to tell you, I-, I- your your preview, I think, was was spot on, except I think you may actually be giving this Northwestern team a little too much credit. I actually only have them down for two wins this season. I think that you are right. I think they will open up the season, and they will beat Duke that first game on the 10th. They will beat Southern Illinois. But, Eric, I'm telling you, I think that this Miami Redhawks team which has had a winning record the last three years. Yeah, they've gotten beaten up by Ohio State and Cincinnati over the course of the last couple years. But you know what? They've been playing solid football. And I think this Northwestern team has just fallen so far. I think Miami sneaks in there and stuns them in Evanston. Mm. Uh, Aside from that, I am with you 100%. I think they lose out the schedule. And, uh, you know, this may be the point where we may finally see Patty Fitz on the hot seat a little bit. No way. I literally, he could go. Oh, and 12 and 12. They love him there, dude. He go. Oh, and 12 and they're not going to care. 
yeah, you know? he, he's he is absolutely beloved there. Well, I don't even think that. I understand that. You know, he was a legend on the field for him. He was a legend. He's been a legendary coach for him. But you know what? But let's call it what it is. In, in today's football, and, and granted, Northwestern is is by far known more for their a- academics than they are their athletics. But you know what? In today's game, the boosters just are not going to – they're not going to tolerate that much losing. I would say they would give him three to four years of losing before they he, they put him on a hot seat. So this would be year number two. But we'll see I because I, they're, they're not going to have a winning – be sh- in fact, I'll say this. If if they go six and six, I'll be shocked. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think, like I said, I think the three wins you gave is giving them too much credit because this is just not a good team, especially offensively. Monk, your thoughts of the Wildcats this year, based off my preview? Man, I don't know if I should give it. I think Chris is going to laugh at me because. Uh, I was definitely more generous than even you. I've got them going five and seven overall, two and seven in the Big Ten. Um, Where are those wins coming at in the Big Ten? Uh, the wins, I have the final two games. I have them upsetting Purdue on the road, and then I have them beating Illinois. Hmm. But now, Illinois, it, Illinois is interesting. It's a home game at the end of the season, and it's the quote-unquote rival, and Illinois is not exactly world beaters either, so I can see that one. But like I said in the preview, guys, this first game in Ireland against Nebraska is huge for both of those programs, man. Um, it's gonna it's gonna go one or both way, either way for e- both of those programs, and I think Scott Frost, I think, has got a little bit more of a desperation. I think he's got a better roster. Than what Northwestern's got. If Nebraska loses that first game in Ireland, oh my gosh, it's going to get I'll ugly. Right now, Lincoln. He'll, be, he'll be fired. That simple. You lose that game to Northwestern, you're you're done. I, I'm not going to argue with you on that. He, he might he might he might not make it to week two. I don't know. <laughs> They're going to leave him in Dublin. <laughs> <laughs> Just leave him there in a pub somewhere. Right. Yeah, I <laughs> he was... walks in. They're like, hey, Frosty, you want to bite? <laughs> right. I was I was a little torn on that one because um, I, I, I kind of wanted to take Northwestern in that first game. Now, I'm going to tell you, if they start Brendan Sullivan at quarterback, they will beat Nebraska that game. You, you, you're you big on this guy, man. Dude, I'm telling you, this kid is just so upstanding of a kid. He's a great athlete, great quarterback. Like, had he... Um, his senior year, had he not uh, went in to Northwestern early and stayed to play that state title game against uh, Ron Bellamy and um, uh, what's that? The running back at Michigan, uh, Donovan Edwards. Yep. Um, I guarantee Davison would have beat that team had Sullivan played, and they would have went back to back state titles. Little, little. Uh, Ohio High School, or excuse me, Michigan High School uh, insight there by the Monk. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, well, he was... You know, Monk, I will say this. The every other year is on your side. Right. <laughs> That's, well, I did mention that in the preview, man. <laughs> Sullivan was 26-2 and two as a starter at Davison. And like I said, he's just an outstanding kid. My son actually is still really close with him, and they talk often over social media. 
But, you know, my son took uh, camps with Sullivan and learned to play quarterback. And he just, you know, a kid like that in a town like that, see, you know, he could have been really arrogant, but he was friends with everybody, would do anything he could for anyone. And that's how his family is, too. They are just awesome people. All right, let's jump to the Michigan State preview provided by Chris. Hello, this is Chris Wilds for the OHIO podcast, and today we are previewing the Michigan State Spartans. Last season, the Spartans came out of nowhere to surprise many of the teams of the Big Ten. In his second season, Mel Tucker led Michigan State to an 11-2 record, fueled by a strong run game and an aggressive defense, which led the conference in sacks. The Spartans were mainstay in the top 25 last year. They were ranked as high as fifth in the AP poll and finished the season at ninth. Tucker's lost a lot of production from that top 10 team, but he has shown his ability to fill holes through the use of the transfer portal. The question remains, can Tucker and the Spartans replicate the success of 2021, or was last season simply a fluke? The Michigan State's uh, football team plays their home games at Spartan Stadium in East Lansing, Michigan. The stadium, nicknamed the Woodshed, seats 75,005 fans, making it the sixth largest stadium in the Big Ten Conference. The Spartans are entering their 98th year in football in the 2022 season, and they have an all-time record of 593, 395-30, which is a winning percentage of 60%. Michigan State has 11 conference championships to its credit, nine of those being Big Ten, and two coming in the MIAA. The Spartans' last conference title came in 2015 under former head coach Mark Antonio. The Spartans are currently head coached by Mel Tucker, the Cleveland, Ohio native, has an overall collegiate record of 18-14 and an NFL record of 2-3. Tucker coached one season at Colorado where he was 5-7, before coming to East Lansing in 2020, where he would go 2-5 in his first season. Last year, Tucker Spartans won 11-2 and earned Tucker's first bowl appearance and victory as a head coach. Michigan State finished the season last year 11-2, and in addition to their conference success within the Big Ten, they were also 2-0 versus the ACC with non-conference wins coming over Miami and ACC champion Pitt. Michigan State not only finished the extremely competitive Big Ten East with a record of 7-2, which was third overall in the East, but also they were third overall in the conference with wins coming over conference champion Michigan, Penn State, and an up-and-coming Maryland squad. Offensively in the Big Ten, Michigan State was third in scoring with a 31.8 per game average. They averaged 175.6 yards per game on the ground, good enough for sixth. 253.7 yards through the air, also good for sixth, and the Spartan averaged a total of 429.3 yards per game, sixth in the Big Ten Conference. Defensively, the Spartans gave up 25.3 points per game, that was tenth in the Big Ten. They were stingy, surrendering only 117.2 rushing yards per game, good for fourth in the conference. However, they did surrender 324.8 passing yards per game, by far the worst in the Big Ten. They also allowed 441.9 total yards per game, which was last in the conference. Michigan State has appeared in 30 bowl games in their history and have an all-time record of 14-16, which is a winning percentage of 467. Last season, the team took Mel Tucker to his first bowl appearance, winning the Peach Bowl 31-21 after coming from behind to beat Pitt. 
Michigan State claims six football national titles in their history, those occurring in 1951, 52, 55, 57, 65, and their most recent championship came in 1966. Key losses from last year's team? Running back Kenneth Walker III was Michigan State's leading rusher and a legitimate Heisman candidate through most of the season. Walker had 263 carries for 1,636 yards and 18 touchdowns, while averaging 6.2 yards per carry. Walker was drafted in the second round, number 41, to the Seattle Seahawks. Also off to the NFL is the team's second leading receiver, Jalen Naylor. Naylor went in the sixth round, number 191, the Minnesota Vikings. In 2021, Naylor had 37 catches for 695 yards and 6 touchdowns for the Spartans. Fullback Connor Hayward went to the Pittsburgh Steelers in the 6th with pick number 208. Hayward was a beast in the running game, but not because of his stats. He only had one carry for 7 yards. But he did plow the road for Kenneth Walker III. He was also the team's 4th leading receiver with 35 catches for 326 yards and 2 touchdowns. Top returners this season... Quarterback Peyton Thorne. Thorne is a tenured leader with big game experience and history of winning. Last season, Thorne completed 235 of his 389 passes, good for 60.4%. He threw for 3,232 yards and 27 touchdowns against only 10 interceptions. He was also a contributor with his feet, being the team's third leading rusher, where he carried 82 times for 181 yards and four touchdowns. With all the offensive production lost to the draft, for this team to even come close to last year's production, Thorne is going to have to have an even bigger year in 2022. Also back is senior wide receiver Jalen Reed. Reed's coming off his best season as a Spartan, where he led the team in receptions with 59, receiving yards with 1,026, and receiving touchdowns with 7. Reed is a legitimate big play threat, averaging 17.4 yards per catch. He's going to lead a young and inexperienced receiving group, which has a lot of talent, but he will be the key to Peyton Thorne's success this year. The most notable returning player from a pretty bad Spartans defense is Xavier Henderson. The safety from Reynoldsburg, Ohio, led Michigan State with 96 total tackles, 61 of those being solo. He also had three sacks, an interception, and a forced fumble. Henderson was pretty much the lone bright spot in an otherwise awful secondary unit for the Spartans. So who has the potential to help out the Spartans this year? How about incoming freshman Alex Van Sumeren? The four-star defensive lineman from Essexville, Michigan, was the highest ranked recruit in the Spartans 2022 class. According to the 247 Sports Composite, he was the 200th best prospect in the country, 26th best defensive lineman. He was also the third best recruit out of the state of Michigan, and he was a former Michigan commit. He has a combination of size and strength with good twitch, a motor that just doesn't stop. He's great in pursuit and understands angles. He's played offense as well, and I believe this is going to help him in understanding technique and leverage. This guy is in a talented and deep position group, but I think he is in the too deep at the start of the season. Let's move out to wide receiver, where Jeremy Bernard, a 6'2", 195-pound four-star receiver from Henderson, Nevada, comes in. Bernard was ranked 237th nationally, 37th among receivers, and 5th best from the state of Nevada. This kid is a pure athlete. He's strong, specifically in the lower body. He shows great instinct, has tremendous hands, and can high point the ball with the best of them. He can play on the outside, but definitely has the strength and shiftiness to come across the middle. And he is dangerous after the catch. He's not the fastest guy in the uh, receiving room, but he does create separation at the line and can still 
have the ability to beat you over the top. He's a kid who could work his way into the two deep by the opening of the season, but if not, he will definitely get a lot of opportunity on special teams. Finally, let's talk about Caleb Cooley. The cornerback uh, comes in to a Michigan State backfield, which was one of the worst in the country last year at defending the pass. Cooley could definitely have improved that and have an impact this season. He's a three-star recruit out of Warner Roberts, Georgia. He was ranked 456th nationally, 44th among corners, and 46th out of the state of Georgia. He has good speed and above-average hands, a nose for the ball, and he is a great tackler for his size. He has a little slight ability, only 5'11 and 166. But given what we saw last year, even though the team does have a lot of depth, he could find his way into the two deep before the start of the season. If not, look for this kid to get a lot of reps on special teams as he continues to develop. So let's complete the following statements. This season will be considered a success if Michigan State can replicate their success of last season, get double-digit wins, and invite to our New Year's Day bowl game. The most critical games on this team's schedule are, well, you know, if Sparty wants to play with the big boys, they are going to have to win three out of five in a very tough stretch from September 24th to October 29th. They are at home on September 24th to face Minnesota, on the road the following week to face Maryland. Then they come home the 8th to host the Buckeyes. The following week, they're going to host the Badgers, and then they go on the road to that team up north. I don't know about you guys, but I would definitely say the scheduling gods are not Spartans fans. So what is the Spartans threat level to Ohio State? Well, I'm going to give it a 25%. Ohio State does have to travel to East Lansing on October the 8th. Sparty's going to be in the heart of the must-win portion of their schedule at this point. They do have an experienced quarterback, an aggressive defense, and while I just don't think they've got enough on defense to challenge the Buckeyes, who lit them up last year as Stroud torched them for 449 yards, six touchdowns, while the running backs added 206 yards and two touchdowns, I will say this, anything is possible. So what are my predictions for the Spartans this season? It goes as a little something like this. The Spartans are going to open the season September the 2nd at home against Western Michigan. This is going to be a win for the Spartans. The following week, they are at home once again to play Akron, another win. They then get their first road challenge on September 17th. That's against Washington and Seattle, but I look for Sparty to win this one as well. Then we begin that tough five-game stretch I spoke of earlier. September 24th, they're home to Minnesota, and I think that they lose this game at home. They then go to Maryland, where I think they will lose to the Terrapins. Then they come home and face the Buckeyes. I got this as a loss. A very tough three-game stretch there for Sparty. On October 15th, I think they get well at home against Wisconsin, and they win this game. I also think for the third consecutive season, they shock that team up north in Ann Arbor with a win. On November 5th, they go to Champaign, a very tough place to play, but they are going to beat Illinois. They then come home to face Rutgers, who I believe they will defeat on November the 12th. November 19th, they're home against Indiana, and I believe this is a win. And then I believe they will actually close out the season with a road win at Penn State. Mel Tucker definitely has this team moving in the right direction, and this team will come close to repeating the success of last season, just fall a little bit short. They're going to have some quality wins, 
Unfortunately for the Sparty faithful, they had that tough, tough five-game stretch, and I see them falling to Minnesota, Maryland, and the Buckeyes during that time. My final prediction for the Spartans for this season is 9-3. and three. This has been Chris Wilds for the OHIO Podcast. Have a great day. All right, Chris, thank you for that preview, my man. Uh, like I mentioned when we, in the, when we were talking about Big Ten Media Days, Mel Tucker, dude, he is one intense individual who oozes confidence. I love when he was asked about the whole uh, uh, pit comment from the pit coach about how if they would have had their starting quarterback, they would have won yeah. that game. And he's, he says we don't talk or waste our time about hypotheticals. I was like, "Ow, dude, you just want a verbal cage match there, man. But, um, you know, it's interesting. You've got Michigan State. Uh, and I'm trying to recall because this was a recording. What was your what was your record on Sparty again? Nine and three. Nine and three. And OK, so I, I'm a little I'm a little less than you. I think that that Washington game, I have them losing that. It's on the road. That is a tough place to play. It's at Washington. Uh, that one, that one's tough for me. Now, I, but I, if they win that one, I totally can see that. I'm with you. I think they lose Maryland and Ohio State. I think they can beat Wisconsin. You have them upsetting Michigan again. This is in the big house, man. And and I, if there's one team, off, Eric. what's that? It was two years ago as well. I know with which a much with a much worse team too, nonetheless. You know. And yeah. I think he just stood – I think they just surprised him that day. But this is a totally different animal here. I think that the Wolverines have this game circled big time. I just don't see it happening. And I also think he loses to Penn State at the end of the year. I've got him at 7-5, and five, and I've got him at um, – Eight and what is that? Uh, five and four. Yeah, five and four in the Big Ten with losses to Maryland, Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. But I can easily see this being another nine win team just simply based on the fact that I think Mel Tucker is one heck of a coach, man. I really do. I think that guy gets every ounce out of that roster that he absolutely possibly can. And, you know, he mentioned being kind of a disciple of Satan down there in Tuscaloosa. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you follow his career back even further than that, this is a Trussell guy. And Jim Trussell yeah. was like that, man. He got every ounce of, of he could out of that roster every single year. And I see a lot of Tucker in him in that. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. Oh, no, I was just agreeing with you. Yeah, his, he's definitely got his roots back here with Trussell at Ohio State. And, uh, you know, I, I do think that's maybe where where some of that intensity comes from. You know, yeah. I, I, as I'm looking at it, Eric, I look at Mel Tucker right now, and, and I look through the, the roster of coaches in the Big Ten. I mean, obviously, you wouldn't trade Ryan Day for the world. Uh, you know, I think, honestly, there, there could be a log jam at that next, uh, that next spot, and I think Mel Tucker – if he comes out and goes nine and three this season, could be you know in in you know a position where he can be poised to to take that step into that second or third best spot as far as the coaches go in the Big Ten. Yeah, he's definitely I think on par with Franklin right now at least. Yeah, um, I agree. 
I mean, I love PJ Fleck. I love PJ Fleck's intensity. Yeah. But I don't I don't know that PJ Fleck can out coach Mel Tucker. I think Mel Tucker is a better yeah. X's and O's guy. I really I do. I think Paul Christ might be able to out coach him. Paul Christ is vanilla ice cream, dude. He's vanilla <laughs> ice cream, but all he does is win, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, kinda. I mean <laughs> Okay, not, well, I, I had a little bit of a rough time last year, but you know. I just I think Wisconsin. I mean, he Paul Christ is just trying to be Barry Alvarez without the cool, uh, the cool oh, he faded hair. Barry, Barry Alvarez just he he exudes cool, dude. I mean, I'm this just guy's telling so you. Cool, they're naming the stadium after him, Eric. I know, isn't that awesome? Like, I totally love Barry Alvarez, and I know I shouldn't say that as a Buckeye fan, but the dude the dude was classic '80s '90s. Big and, and he played man. with your boy Rudy. I know, I know the dude. Dude's awesome. All right, uh, Monk, what do you think about uh, Sparty, dude? You live up there. You kind of have more of a pulse of that fan base than what we do. What's people thinking, man? Ah, things are high on him, and it's funny because when Tucker got hired in, a lot of Spartan fans that I know were like, "Who is this guy? Why did we hire him?" And I was one of the people that reassured him on how good of a coach he could be, and. I honestly, I think he is the second best coach in the Big Ten as of right now, given his body of work. Because Franklin's been what eleven and eleven in the last two years. <laughs> so, but uh, I, I got to mark this down today because it's the first time of recording with you guys where I actually am completely identical with one of you, and I picked exactly everything the same way that you did, Eric. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. So you got them also at seven and five. I, I again, I think that game at Washington in week three is a big one for them. And I, I'm telling you right now, I, I've kind of let the cat out of the bag on Maryland. That game on the road in Maryland in week number four or five, five oh. week number five. That's a tough one, dude. When you have Minnesota, Maryland, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Michigan back to back to back to back to back, that is brutal with a capital B man Chris you are not joking on that that might be the toughest five game stretch that any team in the Big Ten faces I think you said what did you say the scheduling gods were not the kind of Sparty. Not Spartans fans. Right? <laughs> yeah that is br- you look at that and then you go look at Michigan's schedule and it's like how the heck like you flip those schedules Michigan is not going to go 11 and 0 before they face Ohio State with that schedule. No way, shape, or form. So my my hats off to Mel Tucker if they can get to nine wins, Chris. That is a, a just an excellent outcome for their season based solely on that schedule, man. Um, so it's gonna be very interesting how that goes. All right, guys, that's our show for this week. Thank you again, Chris, for stepping up and doing those previews. Monk, I think you're coming with a preview hot and heavy next week for us as well um, as we continue our two-a-days. I think the next couple teams on our list are Indiana and then Minnesota. Sorry, Chris, you got to do the Hoosiers, man. You go from Sparty to the Hoosiers. (laughs) Ouch. Oh, man. That's rough. You know, it doesn't get much lower than Indiana right now, Eric. Oh, dude. I feel for the – the Hoosier fans, I really do. To, Best thing I to can me, suggest to them is pop in the movie Hoosiers and uh, 
Start praying for basketball season. <laughs> you got it, man. You got it. I'll tell you right now, Northwestern Indiana are probably my two worst teams in the Big Ten. But I am super high on Minnesota, guys. So I'm really interested. Jason, if you come away from doing your research and the preview uh, uh, being as high on the Golden Gophers as I am. So that'll be really good. Uh, also coming up, uh, guys, Aaron will be joining us in August. So you have that to look forward to. The coach, the former big-time player, is going to be with us again to uh, take us to school and educate us on the sport of football. We're going to be ranking positions. We're going to be playing true and false. And we also got our fourth annual OSU Fantasy Football Draft. And uh, we're going to have three people. Uh, I'm not sure who it all going to be yet, but three guys will be drafting OSU rosters and then pitting them up against one another on our social media sites to see which person drafted the best roster. So that'll be a lot of fun. We also got Kevin Egan and Sean Butler, our Penn State and a uh, team up North fans joining us for uh, the Penn State Michigan previews. And then we also have our giant Ohio State college football preseason preview. Guys, those are the four shows before September 1st when we do our Notre Dame preview and the game start the games begin we are 34 days from this recording from kickoff it is just around the corner so get those hoodies ready uh get uh, all that pumpkin spice stuff that all your all your wives love ready because football season is about to rock and i can't wait thank you again monk for joining us this week we appreciate it looking forward to recording with you again soon as always chris we're so thankful to have you as our sidekick throughout this crazy journey and i am seriously looking forward to our series of shows over the next couple of weeks uh, as we prepare you all for the 2022 season. As always, be kind to one another. I owe someone's OH and sing Carmen, Ohio with all your heart. And until next time, OH! I Go Bucks! Oh, come, let's sing Ohio's praise and songs through while our hearts rebounding thrill and joy which death alone can still summer's heat Oh, winter's cold, the seasons pass, the years will roll. Time and change will surely show how firm thy friendship. Oh, Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty nine each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.